Well, hey, friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm super glad that you are here, that you've downloaded the show, that you're listening. Um, I endeavor to make every single episode one that will be encouraging to you. And I know that today's will be. There's some good stuff coming up in our interview with our guest a little bit later on. Um, I wanted to just share with you a little bit about what happened in my week this week uh, because it's kind of the unthinkable. And I uh, wanted to just give you an up- update on you know, where I am and how you maybe be able to pray for uh, for us and for our family. Uh, so this week, uh, Tuesday, we got just a tremendous call. Uh, or it was, it was, I guess I found out through Facebook. And uh, there were some in a group for parents at my kid's school. There were some discussion like, hey, why are there so many emergency vehicles heading to the school? And yeah, yeah, exactly what you think happened, happened. There was a shooting at my kid's school and um, it was absolutely horrifying. Uh, fortunately, uh, you, you may have heard about it. It was on the news. It was on the national news. My mom saw it on Fox News and, and gave us a call. Uh, that's how she found out. So I know that plenty of you may have even seen that at, at STEM school. That's where my kids go. Um, fortunately, we found out very, very early that our kids were okay. Um, their teachers let them uh, either get on the computers and send us emails or our oldest has had he has a phone and so he texted us. and uh, uh, Or the teacher texted uh, parent, student, parents, I guess, t- texted parents, um, all about, uh, that they were, that they were safe after everything was over. But, um, that is astoundingly crazy. Like, it's just one of those things that you never want to deal with and never imagined that you would deal with. Um, so I wanted to share with you a couple of insights that I found and here's the thing. Um, we're lucky, right? I, I totally think that, um, you know, it could have been so much worse, uh, it's horrible. Unfortunately, one young man died. He was a senior. Uh, his name um, is Kendrick Castillo, and he, um, you know, helped bring down the shooters and gave his life. Literally, gave his life protecting other people. I mean, that is just. Uh, I mean, you can't even ask for anything more, right? I mean, how do you? How do you? I don't know. It's just, I'm so grateful that he had the courage to go and do that. Um, and so we're, we're grateful to both him and his parents. And there was another boy who, who helped, uh, and to the first responders and to the teachers. Um, it's, it's just a kind of overwhelming experience. One of the thing that happens, uh, I'm noticing because I'm I'm a pretty political guy. Um, I'm noticing that I don't care about the politics anymore. Um, you know, you'll you'll hear people. And I know that the debate in the national media has been about guns and about um, mental health and what are we doing? I mean, guys, it doesn't matter. It doesn't like none of it matters. Uh, people need to just get that off. Get their agenda. Take their agenda and take it off the table. Your agenda for guns, your agenda for mental health, whatever it is, doesn't matter. What matters is taking care of kids. So trying to frame a debate or the media, I commented on something um, the other day uh, from a respected Christian uh, broadcaster. He's on the radio, and I I like the guy. I've read his books. I I like him. Uh, But he was complaining about... um, you know, how the media is spinning things or something because of some of the issues involved. And I just said, you know, it's not, it's not about that. It's not about um, things that divide us. It's about things that unite us at this point. And here's the reality, uh, how this community comes together will do more for the kingdom of God uh, than anyone's agenda again, will do against it. That's it. How we come together in the midst of this tragedy will do more to advance the kingdom of God than anyone in the media's agenda uh, to separate us. So I think that's my, that's my main um, thing I've realized through all of this, that there are a lot of people who will push things that divide. 
Um, and we just have to, we have to reject those. And so friends, even if you're out there, I know the politics is important. I get it. Um, but I think if you're a follower of Jesus, we must, we must reject all the things that divide and cling to love, the love of Christ, the love for our fellow men and women and take care of them. Because in the end, that's really all that matters. That is all that matters. There's nothing else that matters other than people. So what gets lost in those debates is the care and concern for other people. If you have thoughts on that, I'm sure you do. I know you do. Uh, Go out to the Halfway There uh, Facebook page and you can comment on this episode and and let's talk. Um, Or you can always leave a comment at Halfway There Podcast dot com as well. I know you're busy. I know you're out, you're running around or you're working out or whatever, and it's not a great time, but man, if you'd make a mental note and you have something to say and you'd like to, to share something with me, I would love to hear it. I would love to to connect with you. Um, the last thing is it's kind of overwhelming the way people support us. So I'll tell you what people have been bringing us meals, uh, our family from our church, our fam- families have been bringing our, f- our family meals, uh, people from our church. It's beautiful. I mean, you know, it's, it's humbling. Like I can make dinner. I'm, I'm okay. My kids are okay. Um, we can do that. Uh, but they care about us and other people have brought us snacks and they've done uh, so many things. Uh, businesses in the area are offering discounts to STEM families and uh, all kinds of other stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of humbling to take it because honestly, you know, my kids are fine. <laughs> they're going to have some trauma. They're going to have some things they got to work through, but they're fine. And um, I don't really like to ask for help, uh, but I'm a little humbled by it. I'm I'm a lot humbled by it. Um, all of that in mind, if you were interested in uh, supporting our family, you wanted to help out. Uh, one way you could do that is I set up Patreon last week. Um, to allow people to support the show. So if you love halfway there, if this is a part of your regular week, your regular listening, um, would you consider just giving $5 a month to halfway there to just keep it going? Um, you'll get an extra episode every month. I've got some really interesting conversations that I'm recording with my, uh, friends and most of them are guests, uh, people who, uh, have some really interesting things to say and, uh, will kind of advance your, your thoughts and your and your ideas about uh, what the kingdom of God is like going forward and how we how we live in it. So anyway, that's enough of that. I know that's kind of a big big bombshell to, to just drop on you, uh, but thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you for uh, loving um, and and listening to the show. It means just inc- an incredible amount to me. So. Without further ado, let's talk about our guest because today she is so amazing. And I'll tell you what, I just met her last fall. Uh, just an incredible businesswoman who um, is out there just crushing it. She's a coach. She's an award-winning winning blogger, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, she's an international speaker, um, an author, and of course, she's a podcaster as well. She's given me some great advice, and I've appreciated that as well. Friends, some of her story is just going to astound you. God answers her prayer and reminds her that uh, she is not forgotten by him, which might be exactly what I need to hear this week as well. Our guest today is Michelle Schaefer. Michelle, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I'm really glad that we have the chance to connect here today and uh, hear a little bit about your story. We, uh, so I've been saying this, our, my guests are probably used to this by now, but uh, we met at New Media Summit uh, the first time I got to go in September. Yeah. And uh, we just were together not too long ago in uh, Tampa, Florida, hot and humid Florida, which is quite different than um, freezing Denver right now. Or freezing Alaska. There you go. <laughs> right. Uh, the, I, I kind of, I don't love humidity anymore, but uh, it was it was kind of nice, the warm temperatures. But uh, anyway, so that's, that's where we've met. And I remember, you know, we didn't connect the, to the last day of the, of the first summit I was at. And mm-hmm. you just had this amazing story and I wanted to get you on. So 
I can't wait to hear more about that, but tell us a little bit about your kind of what you're doing now, where God has you. You're in Alaska, um, but you have, you kind of have your own business, which I think is fascinating. Tell us about that. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey to get where I'm at for sure. What I do now is really focused on helping people start businesses that are in alignment with their values that they feel good about, that they can make a difference and get their message out. Because, you know, I started my business when I was, uh, 18 years old. So it's, it's been a while. And, you know, I went through a lot of struggles with it because I would work with business coaches or reach out to people who did marketing or sales things. And, and I always struggled to sell. Like I didn't feel good about sales. It just felt slimy to me. And I would get on these coaching calls or go to these webinars and things. And, and the message was always, well, it doesn't matter what you say, as long as you make the sale, as long as you get the credit card, you can say whatever you want. It doesn't matter what you deliver. And I got so tired of it. And I just decided, okay, that's, that's just not the way I want to do business. I care about what results my clients get. And I care about being honest and upfront with people. I'm not going to tell people, oh, it's easy. It's just like pushing a button when it's hard work. Right. So there was like this, this whole realization point for me. And then as I've started working with more clients one-on-one, I heard them saying the same thing. They're like, but everybody told me this. And people would come to me with business models that they didn't like that were literally eating them up at night. They couldn't even sleep because it just felt wrong. And we'd have that discussion about, you don't have to do what the business world says you have to do. You can build a business your way that's in alignment with your values. And so a lot of what I do today, and one reason I went into really studying human psychology and what works, what doesn't work, what makes people feel safe and excited and empowered was because I knew there was a better way to approach marketing and sales. And I knew that part of what I was here to do was help reframe that for my own community and help them see it's okay to both build a business around what your gifts and talents are and to do it in a way that makes you money so that you can afford not just to take care of yourself and your family, but to make a difference, to give to causes you care about and to do the things that you want to do while you're here on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that powerful too? You don't have to do it like the business world says to do it. Cause there's, you know, it's, it's easy to watch a, a video of like Gary Vaynerchuk or somebody, right? Everybody, yeah. he's sort of an obvious example, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm not Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm never going to be that guy <laughs> and I'm glad yeah. about it. So you gotta, you gotta learn how to do it and be you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. I love that. So you do that through coaching and things. Yeah, so I do a variety of things. I do uh, coaching, consulting. I have mastermind groups that I run. And I've just kind of built a community around that concept of, you know, you mentioned my podcast. It's called The Art of Giving a Damn. And just this idea that it's okay to care about what you do and to have it be mission-driven. Because so many people just talk about focusing on the bottom line. And I think there's so much more to what we're here to do and to what we can do with business than just a bottom line. No, oh, I love that. Yeah. What if there's more than just the bottom line? That's a powerful yeah. question. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Okay. Well, let's go back. I'd love to hear how you got here and hear more of that story. So you grew up in Alaska as a missionary kid. I did. I did. I was born in a uh, tiny little fishing town in Alaska. My dad was a missionary pastor there. And when I was four, we moved out to extremely rural, even more rural, uh, Western Alaska, where I grew up, spent uh, 13 years there. And it was one of those towns, like you see on TV documentaries, there's no roads in or out. You had to get on a jet to fly uh-huh. to the next city or take a boat. Um, so it was a very, very different way of growing up. Um, yeah. What was that like? Paint that picture uh, for us. So, you know, some of the things that people say about Alaska, like the stereotypes you hear are really true. Like I once did a a video and put on my YouTube channel, July 1st or 2nd at midnight. I'm like, okay, it's midnight. And as you can see, it's completely daylight here. (laughs) Um, So there's that, you know, it's, it's very different in terms of seasons. You have winter and mild winter, basically, Uh, (laughs) is about all you get up there. And, you know, there's, there's times where the whole winter it really is dark. I mean, as a kid, I got up, caught the school bus in the dark. When I got out of school at 3, 3.45, it was dark again already. 
And so it's very different uh, in terms of like summer versus winter and some of those kind of things. Another thing that was very different for me growing up was I was very much in the minority as a white kid because it was 95 plus percent Alaskan natives. So certain conversations that people have, it's so interesting to me because I have a really different view of racial dynamics Yeah, because I grew up that way. You know, one of my earliest memories is actually being on the ground on the playground in kindergarten and the, you know, kids surrounding me, kicking me, hitting me, telling me, go home. White people don't belong here. And as a kid, that was so hard for me. Like I went home, I told my parents, I was just in tears because I was five. Yeah. And kids don't understand that. But I remember my dad having a conversation with me and explaining to me what those kids were hearing at home. The white people had come in and taken over their land and told them their religion was wrong and all of these things and explaining to me that I needed to step out of how I was feeling and see it from their perspective and understand what they were hearing. And that was one of those moments that even though I was really young, made me realize there's more than just my perspective and I need to really try to have a heart for what other people are seeing and feeling and hearing. And that when I looked at it from that perspective, I was able to go, wow, they're hurting just like I am. And it, it really made an impact on me. And it's something that's kind of stuck with me throughout life. Anytime I get into that place where I just kind of want to hide and feel like, why is this happening to me? Instead of looking at it and going, okay, but what's going on for other people here? And how can I step into something that allows me to make a difference and help people see things differently, including myself? Because it's so easy just to focus on our own perspective. But that's one thing that I think kind of shaped my life growing up was, was starting out with that experience of not feeling like I belonged. Yeah. And that's something that really has carried over into a lot of things. And I just have to kind of rest in the idea that whether I feel like I belong here or not, I'm here for a purpose. And that's enough. Yeah, that's super powerful. Um, so that's interesting. So your family, that you said they're, you're missionaries. You're missionaries then to the native uh, yeah. tribes up there? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we were one of the uh, one of the churches that that kind of started in that area, spreading you know Christianity and and different uh, in the in the Western Alaska area. So it was it was fairly new. I mean, when you look at that area, Christianity hadn't really moved into a lot of it until fairly recent history. So wow. it was a very fascinating dynamic growing up. I bet it was. That's fascinating. So I guess what I think, so one of the thoughts that I had is this one. Uh, it's interesting because race relations looks very different in other parts of the country. Right. And yeah, so there's, there's one gosh. story that we hear uh, for those of us who grew up, you know, in the lower 48, that is different than the story about racism that you might've, might've heard. Yeah. Interesting. But what a good lesson yeah. too. Hey, let's look at the perspective from the other people's side yeah. as well. Yeah. It, it's funny because when I hear racism and things like that going on in the news, my perspective is almost the opposite of what you would expect from a person who is, you know, I'm about as white as you can get. You cannot leave me in the sun for more than five minutes. Um, <laughs> but my perspective is different because I grew up very much as a minority. I mean, I remember as a kid, the hospital in town was owned by the Native Corporation, and I was not allowed to go to the hospital unless it was a life-threatening emergency because they didn't treat white people. They only wow. treated natives. And so it was a very, very different environment to grow up in. How did your faith become your own? Like, were you usually kids oh. who grew up in this kind of, yeah. you know, pastor's so, kid? Th that's, that's a great question. Cause I mean, you know, preachers, kids, missionaries, kids tend to get reputations of either they kind of just grow up and go along with what their family believes. And, you know, it, it's kind of not really their own. Or they go the opposite direction and become that wild child that people <laughs> right. talk about. Yep. Um, I didn't. I was very much a go-along kind of kid. And, you know, I grew up, so <laughs> one of the things that you and I talked about that I'll share is I grew up uh, Pentecostal, basically, for the first 13 years or so. And then there was a split in our church. And after a little while, my parents decided to go with the group that had split off. And I didn't realize it at the time, um, 
But basically it was a cult. They had split off believing that they were literally the only Christians that would go to heaven. And they had, you know, really extensive rules and regulations. And my view of God through that became somebody who was very angry with me, who never thought I was good enough, who had all these rules that weren't even possible to live up to. And so through my teenage years, it kind of felt like the rug had been pulled out from me in a sense, that I wanted so much to live up to that standard of perfection. And I just felt like it wasn't possible. And so that was, that was really challenging. And it, it became something that I just never felt like I could ever be good enough for God, that he would never love me because I hadn't earned it. And so I carried that perspective for years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got married two weeks after I turned 18 to a minister in that church, didn't know him very well, got married and moved to uh, West Virginia where we started pastoring. And it was a really, really challenging time for me. I went through some really dark periods where I started to really question if God even existed. And if he did, did he love me? And if he did, how could Christians act the way they acted? I remember about a month after I got married, I found out I was pregnant. And when my husband at the time announced it to the church, of course, he's all excited, right? He's going to have a baby. Their immediate reaction was, how dare we bring another mouth to feed? (laughs) And it was just this, like, crushing thing to me. I mean, I'm pregnant, so I'm hormonal. I'm in the bathroom crying, going, God, I just don't understand, right? Children are supposed to be a blessing. We're supposed to be excited about this. And it was so hard for me to even figure out and connect the dots that were going on in my world at the time. And I think I shared with you um, one of the things that happened a few years later, which we we were still in that church, and it was a very money-focused church as far as, you know, you will pay tithes or you will be (laughs) disfellowshipped, and, you know, a lot of things that you you would expect. Of course it was, yeah. Yeah. And we were, we had moved to Tennessee, or we had been moved because they chose where you went. We had been moved to Tennessee, and things were not going well for us financially. Um, The church didn't feel like they should have to support a pastor, so they weren't. And they also didn't feel like he should work, because if you go get a secular job, you don't have any faith in God. So we were in this really awkward space of, how are we supposed to take care of ourselves? And I remember one morning, waking up, my son was a toddler at the time, and he had come in. And he was, you know, tapping me, mommy, wake up. And I woke up and he was hungry. And I walked into my kitchen knowing that literally the only thing I had left in my cabinets was a box of store brand macaroni and cheese, because I couldn't even afford Kraft, Mm. and Mm. a package of ramen noodles. And he didn't want to eat either because it's what we had been eating for weeks. And I remember just kind of collapsing on the floor, holding him. He's crying. I'm crying. And as I sat there, I just said a prayer. I was like, God, you have to help me figure out what to do because I don't ever want to be in this situation again. And that's really when my business was born. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, there's two, two pieces to this story. First, it is where I started figuring out how do I create a business? What can I do from home? And, you know, my name on the podcast, it's going to say Michelle Schaefer. That's not my real name. I had to start my business under a pen name because I couldn't have anybody in real life or from the church know that I had started a business because women weren't supposed to do that. Wow. And so there was that whole element of, you know, feeling like I didn't even have value as a woman, you know, but three days later after this happened, there was a, I try not to get emotional. There was a knock on the door. And so I'm there alone with my toddler, and I'm scared to even open the door because I don't really know anybody in this town other than church members. And if they come to the door, it's because they're upset about something. So I'm terrified to open the door. I look through the people, and it's the UPS man. I'm like, oh, they've just got the wrong address. So I open the door to let him know, and it wasn't the wrong address. He had these two giant boxes. And I'm thinking, I certainly have not ordered anything. What is this? I pulled him inside, and, you know, of course, toddler, they're all excited. There's some sort of delivery, right? Yeah. I open up the box, and somebody I had never, ever met, 
who had no idea what situation I was in, had sent me two giant boxes full of groceries. And when I read the note, what they wrote was, God told me to send you this. Mm. And I'm sitting there crying, you know, in front of these boxes. And he's digging through them, my son, and he pulls out a thing of bubbles. And it seems like such a small thing. But what that person couldn't possibly have known was that when I had gone to the grocery store a week earlier, he wanted a thing of bubbles and I couldn't afford 89 cents for bubbles. And the fact that somebody I had never met who wasn't part of the church that I thought were the only people going to heaven had listened to God to that degree of preciseness to know exactly not only what I needed, but what I wanted, that was the moment I went, okay, God must be real. He must love me. And there must be something more to Christianity than what I've been taught. Because what I believed at that time was that if you weren't part of my church, God wouldn't even speak to you because you weren't saved. And that person just following that, what must have seemed like such a strange thing for God to impress on them, it was what made the difference in me really being able to say, okay, God is real and there's something more and I need to find it. Wow, what a powerful story. Thanks for sharing that, Michelle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I you're so right. That there's those these moments sometimes when God just um shows up in a way that is completely unexpected. Yeah. And uh and he did that for you. So, I want to know how that how that changed. So, you just started to bring out for you kind of a um, is is curiosity too wrong of a word? Like you, you started to ask the question, right? Questions, I guess. That yeah, no, that's that's really what it was. That moment kind of gave me permission to question. Yeah, and that was something that I hadn't allowed myself to do. Like I was just okay. This is the truth. This is what it is. I'm just going to go with it, even if I don't feel it. I have to have faith in it. And I know there's those moments where you do have to have faith, even when you can't see things yet. But there's also an element of there is a feeling there and there are things that go along with it, right? When you're doing the right thing, you know. And I went through that period of like, I just didn't feel anything. And that's a scary place to be. Yeah. yeah. But that's what really, it opened up the idea in my mind that there was something more there, you know. And from there, it still took me another, I think, six or seven years to finally say, okay, this isn't where I want to be. I don't believe in this version of God. I believe in a God who loves us. And well, what were, I know. What were ahead. some of the questions that you asked then? Like, so take us through those six or seven years that like maybe there were some events or some, uh, you yeah. know, periods of time that you were asking one certain question. Like, take us through a couple of those. You know, I think my biggest question as I went through it was really about what the nature of God was and why were we here? Um, Because I think there's a a dichotomy in the way people approach how they see God. Some people see this really vengeful, wrath-filled God that's, you know, in heaven watching us, waiting to strike us dead with lightning, so to speak, anytime we screw up. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other side of that is that, you know, God knows we're human. He created us. And yes, he wants us to do our best to put our whole heart into what we do, but he's there to catch us when we fall. And so that was the biggest question that just kept going through my head is, what do I believe about who God really is? And That's the most powerful question. That's the one that has to be answered. It, It really is because that shapes everything else about how you live your life. Because I was literally waking up in fear of, okay, I don't want to screw up today. I don't want to say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. And I was trying to live to a standard that it's not possible for a human. Right. And, you know, as I started to really dive more into studying the Bible from different perspectives, which was something that I was trained not to do. I mean, the group that I was part of literally had their own Bible training school. 
Yeah. And you weren't supposed to read anything but the King James Version. You weren't supposed to read any commentaries unless it was the one the church wrote. You know, they were very specific because they didn't want you to be led astray. Yeah. And what I realized as I started like opening up and going, and I think it was, I think Wearsby was the first commentary I started reading. And I went, oh, wow, there is a totally <laughs> different perspective out here. And then when I started looking at different churches and what they taught and what they believed, what I realized was, in contrary to what I thought and what I had been taught, there was actually a common thread running through all of it. And it was God as a forgiving, loving God. And that really started to wake me up and make me realize that Christianity as a whole, despite all of the partisanship and everything that goes on, they have more in common than they do different. And that gave me hope. And that's one of the things that kind of made me go, okay, I know there's something more out there. And I finally feel like I found God. And I hadn't felt that since I was a kid. Wow. It was well, really an interesting journey for me. And, you know, we well, left that group that we were part of. Well, hold on. I want to know, like, so what was that like to feel like God loved you? In, it like, was honestly mind-blowing is the only way to describe yeah. it. Because, you know, coming back to that idea of, you know, I went through, like I said, some really dark times. Like, I really struggled with depression. I struggled with whether I even wanted to be living on this planet. Yeah. Because I just felt like I would never measure up what was the point. And that's a really wow. horrible way to feel, right? And so coming around to this idea of there is a different vision of God was, I mean, like I said, it was just mind-blowing for me to go, what if that's true? What if no matter what I do wrong, God still loves me? <laughs> and my my job is to just, okay, do better next time. Just keep improving just keep becoming the best version of me that i can and you know it was it was a very interesting space to be in right um well just, it, it was it was weird <laughs> yeah well it is kind of it's interesting to me uh so the reason i asked the question about what it felt like you know a feeling that you had that you hadn't had since you were a kid because i i keep having this thing happen this is kind of weird it's, it's a little different but I'll, it'll explain why i'm asking the question um mm-hmm. Uh, where when I pray, I get these little like tingles thing. Uh, it's so strange. Mm-hmm. Right. But like kind of on my head and, and down my neck a little bit that I hadn't had in years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, God's taking me on a journey of a little bit more intimate um, relationship with him right now. And um, I remembered the other day that I remember being in church as a kid praying and having that feeling and knowing that it was the Lord being with me. And it like totally blew my mind. Cause I'm like, Oh, I haven't had this for a long time. You know what I mean? So when you said I used to feel that way and then it came back, yeah. I wondered how that this kind of like the wonder of that, the sort of joy of that, yeah. how, how rediscovering it sort of, you know, just made you feel so. Yeah. You know, that's such an interesting question because I think, uh, you know, I grew up Pentecostal, right? So it's a pretty excitable group. Right. <laughs> so we joined the other church. And so I was used to seeing people express emotion. And I was used to seeing them, at least as a child, I perceived it as them feeling something, like getting excited about it. And so that was, I think, part of what felt like it came back was just having that hope inside and feeling like there's something to get excited about again. And it's something that I think, it's funny because humans react so differently to different emotions and we do feel those things in our bodies when, when we have certain connections and emotions and things. And I've, I've had people ask me that question, like, what do you feel when you pray? And for a long time, I struggled to answer that because there's moments or honestly years where I didn't feel anything where I didn't feel anything. And I just kept doing it because I wanted to believe there was something there. And so when it came back that I kind of felt like, oh, that's who God is. I think the best way I could describe it was I just felt like a warm hug wrapped around mm. me. And that probably sounds crazy. No. But that's kind of what it felt like um, is just that idea that 
and I guess a, a physical feeling of I'm not alone. Yeah, I think that is a perfect way to put it. A warm hug. I love that. So cool. Okay. So you start to rediscover, reawaken to the idea of who God is and his love for you. You were asking these questions. You started mm-hmm. to read some other people. Um, yeah. w- was there a time? So when, when did you kind of come out of that? And how did you know that you were sort of you yeah, know, reawakened? So- it, it took probably six to seven years to actually step out of that and step away from it. And I remember going through this period with my family where um, we had discussions about, okay, we've, we've taught people things that we now realize aren't true. How do we fix that? What do we do? And that's a really hard place to be. Yeah. Um, and so there was this period of, okay, how do we get out of this and fix it? And my family is still in that group. And so there was also that very awkward phase of how do I tell my parents I'm not going to be part of their religion anymore. Yeah. And that was a really tough conversation. Um, And it's led to a lot of challenging conversations over the years um, because, you know, based on their beliefs, I'm going to hell. And pretty much everybody I know is going to hell. Heaven's not going to be very crowded um, (laughs) based on that belief set, which is a very interesting, interesting perspective, but I think some of what really helped me to step outside it again was seeing that some of the people who I didn't even believe were going to go to heaven at that time were actually more Christ-like and Mm -hmm. more, the, the love of God was more visible in them than in the people that, according to what I believed, were going to heaven. Yeah, And that was like a huge wake-up call for me of, okay, if I believe in God, if I believe he's a loving God, and if I believe we're supposed to show up in his image and project and show that love to people, what am I doing in a place that doesn't have that? Right. And so there was a lot of like, I visited, I don't know how many churches over a period of a couple months. And it was like this whole new world for me um, to see all of these different uh, Christianity perspectives. Uh, and that was, that was really, really fascinating just to see what all was out there and to try to figure out, okay, what's my place? Where do I belong? What do I believe? Who do I want to be in fellowship with? Was there um, something that stood out to you as as far as like a, either a theological issue or a um, you know particular teaching that stood out to you as a thing that you were attracted to? So that's a great question. You know, at the time my kids were young, and so a lot of what I was looking for was where did we feel accepted? Mm. Because I wasn't really sure at that point, what I believe theologically. And so we went to, I, I couldn't even count how many different churches. And over the years, I've continued to kind of look around and see where do I fit in? Where do I feel like I belong? And, you know, I've gone through all, all sides of the spectrum, so to speak, to see. And I think some of the things that were really interesting to me, um, that were surprising, actually, were there certain traditional elements that I actually found myself really drawn to that I felt like the respect and and some of those things were really fascinating. But I think the biggest thing I was looking for was just who did I feel like accepted people? Just like wherever you're at accepted you and wanted to help you find your purpose here. Because that's really where I was, was seeking who will accept me coming out of this and knowing my background? Because I think a lot of times we feel like people will judge us for things and we feel so guilty about things that what so many people are looking for is just someone to say, it's okay, we love you anyway. Yeah. Uh, which is super powerful, right? And it's it's obviously what Jesus did so often yeah. with people, uh, yeah. even, even though he didn't necessarily... I don't know. Approve sounds like a strong word, but he, he knew he knew where people had been, yes. right? But he he uh, still accepted them, and he would stop the fundamentalist Pharisees, right? 
Yeah. From well, that, judging that was them some of the most interesting passages for me to read. I bet. Was when I would I would read things like that and I would go, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> because it didn't line up with what I was experiencing. Right. And so it was it was like this huge confusion point for me um, to read that. And I think honestly, the the best thing that we can encourage people to do is just read your Bible. Just read your Bible and see what do you see in it? What do you see? Because when we can do that and kind of separate from whatever dogma or whatever version of reality and spirituality we've been taught, then we're able to actually open up and say, okay, but what is God saying to me? Yeah. So you began to discover yourself after that. Would you say that? Yeah, that's, that's actually a great way to put it. It was, it was a really interesting time because I was starting a business, trying to figure out how to juggle all of that. I was homeschooling my kids and, you know, we were for a while still in that church, then we left. And it was, uh, it was a lot of soul searching to figure out, you know, is this okay? Because so much of what I was doing was contrary to what I had been taught was okay for women. You know, the first time that I actually spoke at a business event Um, And it was a coach that I was working with was having a live event and invited me to come speak. And the version of the story I usually tell is right before I went on stage, I was in the bathroom puking my guts up because I was so nervous about (laughs) speaking, right? And it's funny because what do I hear in the stall next to me? The woman who had just come off stage doing the same exact thing. And we had this bonding moment of, okay, if you can do it, I can do it. It's okay that we're scared. We can do this anyway. Yeah. The part I don't usually tell is that when somebody tagged me in a photo on Facebook, I got a private message from someone who said, Michelle, you need to call me. We need to pray and you need to seek God's forgiveness. You elevated yourself above men and you're going to hell. Oh. And it was this moment where I went and it really solidified things for me. I was like, okay, that's not what I want to be part of anymore. And it was such an interesting experience because what finally got me to make some big changes was not so much seeing limitations being put on me or my female friends or others, but when my daughter started believing that about herself. Because I realized that the way we had programmed her, she didn't think she was special and she didn't think she mattered to God. Wow. Yeah. That that was, that really did. It was watching her realize that she didn't think that she could go to college or have a career or do anything special with her life. That she thought all she was supposed to do was practice cooking so she could grow up and get married and have kids, which motherhood is an amazing blessing. And I'm not in any way downplaying the importance of that. Um, But I think women have a lot to offer as well. And it's hard to watch someone be told that just because they're female, they can't do anything important in the world. Mm, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even enough to just say behind every great man is a great woman, right? Like it's, there are, so this is a place where I've totally grown in the last 10 years have changed completely, but um, I, I agree. And I think that we, we, the church does such a terrible disservice when we, um, you know, uh, we, we push these interpretations of certain passages um, that probably don't mean what we think they mean <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, uh, you know, and I think, I think the important thing is to have the conversation because right. So often there's pieces and perspectives and things that if we can have a conversation about it and be humble enough to say, explain your perspective to me, let's pray about it. You can come out with maybe not something that everybody necessarily agrees on because, I mean, there's a lot of contention when it comes to different passages, but you can at least come out with something that says, okay, we can agree on this. Right. And let's figure out how we work together because I'm I'm one of those people who speaking of things in the news, I don't believe men and women are equal in the sense of men are generally stronger than women. Women can have children. We have differences, right? Right. And that's actually a beautiful thing because we can balance each other out. If we were willing to do the hard work of going, okay, there is an order that has to be in place because you have to have leadership. 
you have to have certain things to make things work, but nobody is less important than anybody else in the sense of everybody has gifts and things to contribute. And I think that's the important part of the conversation to have is just where do we all fit? There is a place for everybody. You just got to figure out where you fit. Yep. Okay. So you realize that your daughter's doing this. So then this kind of like blows your mind, breaks the internet in your brain, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so then you start to start to grow from there. So, but how, how else did you, like, I'm wondering what else you did. So you, you started speaking, you started kind of stepping out, you know, what, what else, what, were there any other moments where you went, Oh, this is who God made me to be. Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think one of, one of the things that I actually ask clients a lot, and it's a weird question from a business coach is, what makes you feel alive? What makes you feel like you are just lit up inside? Because I think those are the moments when we connect with that, that we can figure out what did God put me on earth to do? And I realized that when I started somewhat, you know, I like speaking, I enjoy that. But I think the, the thing that really lights me up is the teaching and coaching part of things and just being able to help people see things a different way that empowers them to go do what they're here to do. And the more that I got into business, because I started out doing work as a virtual assistant. Like I grew up around computers, so I was pretty good with the internet and websites. I could build websites. I could code things. And when I first started out in business, I was like, okay, what can I do? Anything. I don't care what it is. As long as I can make some money doing it, you know, within ethical boundaries, yeah. um, what can I do? And I started building websites and, you know, I went from that into I'm handing clients websites and they don't know how to get traffic. They don't know how to get clients and customers. So I started learning SEO and web traffic and kind of grew from there. And I started a blog accidentally. <laughs> so I was answering the same questions over and over and over again. And I realized, okay, if I save these answers somewhere, it'll save me a lot of time. And so I asked the person who was working with me at the time as my VA, like, what's the easiest way to publish things online? And WordPress had just come out. So like, oh, we'll set up a, a WordPress site for you. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever, just get it set up. And I don't want to have to write code. And so every time I would answer a question that seemed like one other people might have, I started sending it to my VA and they were putting them on this blog. I didn't even know what a blog really was at the time, but I just knew, okay, my answers are saved. And people started reaching out to me and I realized, oh, wait a minute, I'm getting clients from this. People <laughs> want to work with me because I'm answering questions. Um, and you know, that began my, my journey into blogging. But I remember this one time I wrote a blog post and I shared some personal stuff, which I hadn't done before. And I shared what some of the early struggles in my business had been. Because at this point, I was doing pretty well. I had kind of grown things to a point where I could support my family. And I shared some of the tougher moments that I went through. And I remember one morning I woke up and there was this email in my inbox. And the timestamp was like 2.37 a.m. And so I opened this email up and this woman had written to me and said, reading that blog post made her decide not to give up on building a business. Because if I could do it, she could do it. And that was one of those moments where I went, okay, I am on the right path and I have to share more of my story. I have to be willing to be more vulnerable with people and let them know, you know, what it's really like. And I think that's such an interesting part of the human experience that when we're willing to open up and share our stories, other people look at it and go, okay, if Mm. you made it through, so can I. Amen. Well, that's exactly why we do what we do here, right? I hope that somebody hears your story, hears all the stories here and goes, oh, that's, then I can make it, right? Then it's, it's okay. Maybe God is, uh, does love me too or whatever the, whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Amen. Okay. So, uh, I mean, we kind of talked about what what you do now. You're, you're helping, you're podcasting. What, What do you do? So, I mean, this is an interesting title, right? So, the art of giving a damn is, uh, <laughs> that, that's, yes. in, that's so, intentionally provocative. It is. And it, it's intentionally. So, um, it, it was interesting because when I went to start the podcast, which is, it's funny because, you know, you mentioned new media summit is where we met. Steve is actually who inspired me to start a podcast. 
before the first new media summit, we had a conversation and he's like, start a podcast. It'll be worth it. Mm, I'm not surprised. Yes. And so I was like, okay, all right, (laughs) I'll give it a shot. You know, and when I was thinking about what I wanted to do a podcast on, you know, it could have been, you know, business strategy or marketing or any of the things that I do in business that I'm known for. And I was like, let me think about this for a minute. And what really, I just, I felt like I was supposed to do was talk about the bigger issue to me, which is, I truly believe you can start a business around whatever you are passionate about and whatever you feel like your purpose is and that it can be profitable. Because again, you know, like I shared earlier, I was so tired of hearing people say, all that matters is the bottom line. People would come to me with businesses and go, but this is what a coach told me to do. They said I had to put together a high ticket offer and I had to sell it for $5,000. But what I really want to do is this. And, and my response is, well, why aren't you doing that? If that's what's on your heart to do, then that's what you need to do. And so really the podcast just became a way for me to give people that example to prove through interviews, there are people out there like you who want to do business differently, who have a different vision for what's possible, and they're doing it. Because that way, when clients come to me with that, I can point them at the podcast and go, no, wait a minute. There's more than <laughs> you know, 60-some people right here who are doing exactly what other people have told you you can't do. If they can do it, you can do it too. Right. And you know, that's, that's kind of become... I guess, an anthem in a sense for me of it's okay to do business your way and it's okay to build it around what excites you. Because I think we're programmed that way for a reason, right? When you look at any, any mythology or any story of creation and all of that, there's some of the same elements like across everything on the planet. And there's this idea that people are given gifts. And I think when you connect with what that gift is and you know, this is what I'm here to do. Yeah, sure. It may not be the billion dollar thing, but it will be enough for you to do what you're here to do. And I think we do people a disservice when we go into this overly analytical, logical model of, well, but I don't see how you can get there to this profit point or this specific thing because I really believe when you find what you're here to do and you follow that, everything else falls into place and you can sleep at night. Right. Right. And there's actually something to be said for joy in that as well. Yes. Right. I I find when, uh, when I'm willing to do things the way that I I know God has made me, uh, I am so much happier about it and a lot less stressed. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's, That's one of the things that sometimes we forget to ask ourselves. Like if we were designed to be happy and to be joyful, why are we making choices that lead us into depression and stress? And if we can just look at it from a different perspective and go, okay, what decision would make me happy right now when it comes to like, you know, looking at different business projects or different paths. I tell people with marketing all the time, if it's not something you enjoy and not something you're good at, you don't have to do it. There are so many ways to market your business. Let's find one you love. And let's you know, leverage your natural strengths and the things you enjoy because I think that emotion is contagious, right? When we see somebody who's really excited about what they do, you're like, okay, I want to know more because I see how excited you are. And I think honestly, whether it's business or religion, that's one of the things that attracts people. Is when we have that joy and that passion, whatever we're sharing, they want to know because I think we crave that. Yeah, there's probably a lot of psychological reasons for that. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes we're just afraid of missing out of whatever the good thing is that somebody else has. But it's also just very attractive, right? It's like, oh, yeah, they, you know, when you see somebody having fun doing something, doing what they're made to do, man, I don't know anybody who looks at that and. Uh, well, if they're angry, it's because they're angry at themselves for not doing it, right? They they look yeah. at that and go, oh, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So. Well, and I think, you know, the interesting thing to me, and it's it's been really fascinating because, you know, it's funny. When I heard the name of your podcast halfway there, I was like, yeah, that is where I feel like I'm at. Like, I'm at perpetually. I'm halfway there. Uh-huh. I'm going to figure it out. But 
when it comes to the the religious aspect of things, when people ask me, what do you believe? My response very often is, well, I'm still figuring it out (laughs) because that's where I feel like I am. You know, I went through when I first left that the church that I was in, I went through a period where I wanted nothing to do with God. Yeah. I wanted nothing to do with religion. And it took me a really long time to make peace with that and to say, okay, I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to forgive others. I'm going to figure out, you know, what am I here for? What do I believe about God? And when, you know, I, I, I have, I have a lot of conversations with people from a lot of different religions and different, um, different areas on the spectrum, I guess. And one of the things that was interesting to me, and it relates back to what you were saying about you know, psychologically joy being attracted, is when I read and I see that it says we were created in God's image, and I think, okay, what does that mean? If I see God as this amazingly creative being who, I mean, you look around however we got here, whatever you believe about that piece of it, this earth is an amazing work of art, right? You look at the animals, you look at the vegetation, and it's amazing. And I think it's no wonder so many of us are unhappy. We're not creating. We're not putting things out there that allow us to express that. And that was one of the, the moments for me that was like, okay, there's something here. Because what I see in my clients and what I see in the people I look up to is when they are being creative, like you can tell when someone is doing that thing they were designed to do because they really are lit up inside and it shows. And I think that's really my focus with clients is how do I find what lights you up and how do I help you get that out into the world? And so it, it's funny how interconnected all of that really became for me because I couldn't have predicted that. Uh, and I certainly, if somebody had told me that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would have been like, okay, yeah. um, because it's just, it's so interesting, I guess, the way life does that. And you, you kind of end up where you're supposed to be, I think. Yeah. Some of us take longer to get there. Yeah. And that's, you know, well, <laughs> it was a long process for me. Like, yeah, like we say, we're only halfway there and uh, yes. we're on the journey. We're always going to be on the journey. I actually think even in whatever eternity looks like, but um, we will never be able to exhaust the knowledge of an infinite God. That so is we'll incredibly true. Always be learning about him. And we'll, you know, we may be uh, without sin and some of the things that get in our way now, but we're always going to be learning. We'll always be on the path of life with God. So. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Michelle, thanks so much. If people want to connect with you, your website is michelleschafer.com. Com, right? And that uh, is correct. I will have that linked up in the show notes of this episode as well as all your social media so people can find you and uh, connect if they're interested. Anything you want to leave us with today? Oh boy, that's a great question. I think the main thing I would hope that people take away from this conversation is it's okay wherever you're at on your path, just keep moving mm. forward and don't give up. Whatever you're going through, know that there's a purpose for it. Eventually, the dots will connect. You know, it took me a long time to get to where I felt like the dots connected. And bigger than that, if there are people in your life who you're praying for, who you are really even discouraged because they're not seeing things that you want them to see yet or or not, you know, moving the direction you want them to move, just give them time and don't give up on them. I'm glad people didn't give up on me. And I'm glad that people loved me wherever I was at on my journey and that I'm able to take that and go, this is what I want to be. This is who I want to be. And even if it took me a little longer than some people in my life hoped, I eventually got there. And so I think that's the biggest thing. Don't give up on people and don't give up on yourself. Wherever you're at, just keep going and find that thing that lights you up and do it. Mm. Amen. Michelle, I am so grateful that you came on to just share a little bit of your story. I think it's an inspiring story and I know that our friends will feel the same. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Hey, Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story. 
I am so deeply grateful for that. Friends, don't forget, if you want to support the show, go out to halfwaytherepodcast.com, click that support button, and you can uh, support the show on Patreon. If you can, just do $5 a month. I would love that. Hey, thanks a lot, friends. Until next time, keep the faith. Keep the faith.